Yeah, Dennis, you've, you've, you've won a great victory there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we have a special announcement concerning something that's going to happen right after service. So let's see what this is. So Imani has toiled again because it's Valentine's week to uh, to have something in the Sela room for everyone's, and I know we have some special treats, so please avail yourself to that. We also ha need your help with something for those of you who would like to participate. So both of the girls have a science fair project this week, and Megan's requires something, and she wanted to ask for some help. So my science fair project requires some of y'all's opinions. And um, so it'll be set up in the back foyer. So if you would like to give your opinions on it, that'd be appreciated. I'd appreciate it. So yes. So just in full disclosure, I don't know if all of you are familiar with slime which is banned from our house, but we will do it for the, for the science fair uh, project. Um, and so if you feel uncomfortable touching different kinds of slime, you don't have to participate. But if you would be so gracious, if you are willing to do so, to touch the different kinds of slime and give your opinion on them, we would greatly appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, one thing about churches, people don't lack for opinions. So we'll be happy to give those to you. And um, so Imani's working there. Nancy made some phenomenal heart cakes that are in there and some roses. Wow. Winford, we, we may not need to do anything about Valentine's Day because it's all done already today. So see how much money we save by coming to church? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so as soon as service is over, whenever that might be, you can avail yourself of the festivities there in the opinion table here in uh, the foyer. Okay, and one other thing, as you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, we are going to be uh, going for the Lord to discover prophetically what he wants a, of us in prayer leading up to the seminar, which is a month from now. And given the nature of what this gathering is regarding the presence of God, uh, we need to make very sure that we're offering to him personally um, whatever he requires. And Dennis set the stage for it with, uh, it, it, can't co it can't cost us uh, a minuscule amount. It has to be exactly what the Lord wants. So just be, just be open over the next week or so, and let's be in agreement that God will let us know exactly what he wants. We just don't want to do something. You know, I appreciate when people give gifts. This isn't the message today. Um, but you know that there are certain ways you give gifts to people. Sometimes you give gifts because you know, hey, I got to give a gift. Um, you, you know, at Christmas time, I can't go over there empty-handed. Um, I know they're going to give me something, so I better give get something, you know. And so at the last minute, you're thinking, gee, I didn't get anything, and you're scrambling to just bring something. I know we've all. Some of you would never do that because some of you are just meticulous gift givers, and, and I know that to be true. But for most normal people, you have a thought like that every now and then. And um, I know that I've been on the receiving end of gifts that sometimes I'll think, man, this is, they really put a lot of heart into this thing. You know, they, this is really, this is really meaningful. Or, they knew somehow that I needed this, and, and that, that's really special. And then sometimes you get a gift kind of like on Valentine's Day at school, you know. All the kids write their little Valentine's, stick it in the thing, and, and you know, they didn't even spell your name right. <laughs> they, they just fill in the quota. And we don't want to do that to the Lord. We certainly don't. And so um, we'll, 
will go before the Lord, find out what he says um, he would like for us to offer, and we'll make certain that it, that it doesn't cost us nothing. <laughs> it, has to, it has to be of worth. So anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read from verses 1 through 13, and we're going to look at this uh, and discover a number of things that the Spirit says that perhaps we've never considered before. And um, I, I do believe that as we read through this, this is a continuation of what the Spirit is saying about the awakening of the Spirit within us, within each of us. And to find and, and discover through the directive of the Spirit, God showing us things about how that Spirit within us operates. And I, I, am, I am believing that God's going to continue this because there's a great resource within each of us that Jesus gave his life so that it could be born again. And I honestly believe, and I can say this from my own perspective, that um, the capacities of the Spirit within me are woefully undeveloped. And as I see scriptures that the Lord brings to us, and I look and find the meat within them, it, almost immediately it dawns on me, that's not happening in me. <laughs> I didn't know it was supposed to happen that way. Oh, this is the source through which these things happen. Oh, this is what this verse really means because I didn't have the clue to understand what it was really talking about. But now that I see it, I recognize that I must begin to function this way. And, you know, last Sunday morning, we looked at what Paul wrote to Timothy about the, the, the wonderful sound mind, but the, the friend, the, the, the ability that God gives for the spirit within us to breathe before him, and that that would be healed, that that would be delivered, that that would be a source of healing and deliverance. And I'd, I'd never really contemplated that before. But since then, it has been a vibrant, almost hourly reminder of the Spirit that, that um, God wants so much more out of this place within us than perhaps we've recognized. And it's not our fault. It, it, maybe it is to a certain degree that we don't understand more of it. But, but the point is that the Spirit is emphasizing this now. And there are things that he's going to unlock the best wine for these days. And the power of God is going to be manifested through those who are partnering with him out of that innermost being. The rivers of water, the wells of salvation, the power, the, the ability to see and perceive. And so today, as we read this passage, uh, we're going to recognize a number of factors regarding that. And we may not have seen them before, but Paul is just pinging them, boom, boom, boom. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me when you have a clue how things then manifest. We understand this in the natural. I am going to get to, re to the reading scripture at some point. Uh, we understand this in the natural. You know, like if you, um, if you're staring at one of those pieces of artwork that's got some hidden picture in it, and then somebody says, okay, it's this, or look right there. And then when you get that clue, suddenly the entire visage of that artwork is transformed and then you see what is really there that's been hidden or maybe you're sitting beside Fran you're working on a crossword puzzle and suddenly you get a line that you didn't know what it was and then as soon as you fill that line in all of a sudden whew, 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 
all the other ones that you weren't getting because you have that clue are now filled in. We understand that in the natural. Well, the Word of God is that for us in the most important way of all. And when God says, I'm going to begin to do this thing, I'm going to move in this way, and I need you to be ready, and we're going to establish it from the Scripture, and God's Spirit directs you to a verse or to an understanding of the Word that you'd never seen before, and that comes alive. Once you know that, you can't avoid it. Well, I guess you could. You could ignore it. But if you're really sincere with the Lord, that Word guides you. It's a, it's a light and a lamp to your, to your feet and to your pathway. And once you see that, you know where to go. And um, for whatever reason, in this particular season and leading into the days that are ahead, God is highlighting the necessity of his presence, and God is highlighting um, that deep place within us that he created. It's the spark of who he is within us that is born again through Christ. And the capacities of that with all of the promises of power and rivers and uh, light and understandings and guidance and more that are there in the word that we sing about it. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Well, what does that mean? What well, sings good. But what does it really mean? Is it just Jesus has a good lyricist and, you know, Boy, that's a catchy tune. I'll just put that in the scripture there, and one of these days they'll sing it. Or does it really mean something? Or is it just poetic prose? A river of life. Boy, that sounds great. Well, yeah? Well, what does it mean? Is God just talking? Or is that a promise? Is that, is that something that should happen? And if it should happen... How does it happen? And what does it really mean in application? So um, this business of the spirit within, God started talking to us about about three years ago, the whole aspect of what friend is. And God has just been building a case over those years from the Scripture. He didn't give us too much too fast. He would show us something. And he began to show he began to show us about it in regard to what happens when we pray in the Spirit. And then how we, because of that, we begin to have understandings. We begin to see these ways that the Word uses that capacity of breathing before God. And how then we're either wise or foolish regarding whether we're utilizing that or not, or whether we can understand the deeper things in the Word or not based upon what we're doing with that capacity, or whether we're praying mysteries and how we interpret those and apply them based upon what we do with that place. It's all through the Word. But now, you know, you do and then you teach. God leads you to this place. He gives you understanding. You you're strengthened, the musculature is there, and then he says, well, what about this? It's the way inventions usually happen. Sometimes they're an epiphany, and suddenly you, you see a need, and a light bulb turns on, and you, you say, well, what about this? We've seen society revolutionized with that, but usually invention builds on things that have already been understood, and you then you, you, usually money drives this. War is a big source of invention, and, and there's a scramble. You, ha you have to do it so that your side will actually win. It's life or death. And so many weapons and technologies and medical advances happen as a result of warfare. It's, it's amazing how that happens. But when it comes to the things of the Spirit, God shows you, and only God could do this. He knows what's coming. He knows he wants you to partner with him. And so he starts giving you what you need from the word and commune with him. And he tries to teach you if you're willing to learn. And then line upon line, precept upon precept. And then, thanks to the goodness of God, here a little and, and there a little, 
God keeps building and leading you to hopefully a point to where when God says, okay, it's time, whether you think you are or not, you're ready to begin to utilize the things that he's shown you. That's the way we've lived as Pneumatikos people, isn't it? So for the last three or so years, God has been carefully, as only he could, trying to teach us the things that now he's ready to ignite within us. But it's all the same, uh, it's all the same progression of this similar thought. And it has to do with being born again in spirit and truth and uh, functioning as Pentecostals and saints in praying in unknown tongues and diversities of tongues. It's amazing. With each of these key things, we recognize how the enemy has very, very, uh, very carefully tried to eliminate the capacities from the church. And we recognize that if... If you're really going to be flowing as a born-again person, you should be utilizing the birthday gift that God gave you at Pentecost. And that then becomes a key of partnership with God, and it also develops the inner core of what's been born again. But yet, even today, most of the church thinks that this great gift is nonsense. It was just for a moment, way back when. We acknowledge that now, but it's not for today. See how the enemy tries to remove that capacity for breathing, and mostly the church is on life support. Something else does the breathing for them, you know, like Moses and the people. Well, you go up on the mount, and even if they tolerate that today, but we don't want to go up there. You just come back and you tell us what you saw. So... Each of you are called to be mighty men and women. You know that. It's not pastor telling you. God's telling you, and you know that. So let's see what the Apostle Paul says. See, Winford, I finally got around to reading the Scripture. I promised I would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brothers, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. That's a weird phrase. Martyria of God. Of God. Isn't that something? So he's not coming to entertain anybody. He's not coming to wow the crowd or to do some illustrated thing that captivates everybody's attention in three points in 20 minutes. But he's coming to talk about how God is asking you to die to self to represent the kingdom. That's the martyria of God. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is interesting, too, because it's not the word for cross. It's just the word for the stake of ownership, storos. Interesting. So I'm coming to tell you how God wants you to die and to take up the stake of ownership and plant it where you are. That's what Paul says. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. We could talk about that maybe at a later date. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's interesting. Just like last week, we're going to look at like four or five really good chunks of meat today. This is one of them. One of the things that I've been studying, and you know this, we talked on this last week, is the combination with the spirit and power in Scripture. And power, of course, dunamis, is function. You ever think about the miracles that Jesus did? Did he ever do anything just to mystify people or to entertain people? No, no, he didn't. He, 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 he did things that needed to be done so that function could occur. People are out in the wilderness. Any of you see that latest, uh, uh, The Chosen, where they, they, act, they were depicting how Jesus fed the, the thousand? 
the, the thousands with uh, five loaves, two fishes. It's really interesting to watch that unfold. Um, there, there was a need for dunamis. People were hungry. They were out there. There wasn't anything for them to eat. Yeah, well, they should have planned better. You could call, a, call, a, call one of those uh, societies, what the churches do, to go and feed people, which is great. That's wonderful. But the power came to, so that function could occur. Um, and it, it was always that way with the Lord. And so one of the challenges you have with church is that people want to be entertained. They want to see something that they've never seen before. But God's power is functionary. And the main thing with God is that the Word is shown, that people themselves are functioning in the way He created them. And if there's any demonstration of power, it's going to be because there needs to be function. And it's, it's not just for entertainment. I've noticed a lot of people come, would come to meetings when we were in other places or even here at our seminars, and some of them came just to see something or to encounter an angel or to do this or to do that. And we're preaching about this is what God wants from you. This is, you, you need to be, uh, this is why all this, these manifestations and the moving of the Spirit is happening so that you will begin to seek God and know Him as Father, and that you will begin to partner with God where you are. And a lot of people contemplated it. Some of them said, yes, I'll be that. But a whole lot of them said, no, I don't want to do anything with that. You know, that's, that's responsibility. That, that's work. I don't want that. And it's interesting to me how that is. And um, so Paul comes and he says, I've not come to entertain you. Tell me what other thing enticing would be, you know. Uh, I've not come to, to mystify you with my own ideas. I've come to talk about how you need to martyria before God. And I've come to talk to you about how Jesus did that. And I've come to talk to you about this thing called a stake of ownership that Jesus died on and that I'm going to write to you under the anointing of the Spirit about that if you're going to serve the Father, you've got to take that stick and follow him. That's what I'm talking to you about. And this is exactly what Paul says here. But the demonstration of the Spirit. Now, you'll, you'll notice here's the first point of meat for you. This is not phanerosis, which is something that happens and people see. This has to do with revelation. And if you'll, if you'll look at how this word is used throughout the New Testament, let, let the, the divine author interpret what this word means. You'll find that it regularly talks about hearing something from God, receiving a revelation, uh, gaining insight. Um, in fact, one of the ways that a derivative of this word is used is when Jesus was talking about not just the end time, but what his people will encounter over the years. He says, you know what? Uh, it says, I'm going to forewarn you. And that, it, uh, you know, again, I appreciate the, the challenges that the, that the interpreters had when they wrote the, the when they, when they uh, translated the Bible uh, back in the 1600s or the 1500s, really, because King James wasn't the first. Um, but forewarn really is not prognostication. It's the word that means that it's the derivative of this. Um, you're you're going to have to know how to hear, and you're going to have to trust that you're going to be able to, through that revelation, speak. And then he goes through, you're going to be brought before this, you're going to be brought before this, and you're going to have to give an account. And it, don't worry about what you're going to say, because at the time you need it, God's going to tell you, and you speak what you receive. That's what Jesus was talking about. Forewarning wasn't saying, hey, I just want to tell you some bad times are coming. That's not what he meant. That's not what he said. He said, you're going to need to understand what the Spirit is saying, and you're going to have to be able to relate that. And then he goes through cases where that can happen. So the demonstration of the Spirit really could be said, I've come to talk to you about how you hear from God through the Spirit your spirit and through 
uh, revelation that would come through the Holy Spirit. But that combinative, this demonstration is about hearing and seeing and, and being able to tap into what God is revealing. And through that then, dunamis, just like what we talked about last week, that combination of the Spirit within and dunamis. And so this is what Paul said. Okay, so we reiterate, we've got some really great stem winders coming up here, so just give me, give me a latitude. Well, at least I think they are. My stems are certainly wound. Well, he sure was wound up today. <laughs> um, Paul says, I didn't come to entertain you. I didn't come to give you a philosophical lesson. I came to talk to you about how you need to go before God and die to self to serve him. And I'm talking to you about how Jesus did that, and I'm talking to you about how you need to take that stake of ownership Then, when the Father sends you to represent the kingdom there, bought and paid for through the blood of Christ. And I am coming to you to tell you that um, because I'm not, going to speak anything to you about my own wisdom or my own intelligence, which he certainly could have done, because Paul was one of the sharpest tools in the box. I'm talking to you about what the Spirit is revealing and the functionality because of that. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. And that's really what God's trying to do in you. That's how God is going to cause those rivers to flow out of you. Because if you can do just this, this part right here, uh, God can do anything through you because you're submitted to him and you're not telling him how to do it. You're not suggesting your ideas. How can, as Job said, whoever thought they could counsel God, but you're, you're listening and you're obeying. And that's how power or function comes. It's amazing when you follow what the Spirit says, how you come to divine appointments. And when you come to divine appointments, it's really clear what needs to be done. And there's great faith that's generated in that environment. And you have great confidence because you've been led, not just because of what you've learned or, you know, what you heard somebody tell you or what you got wound up at, a, at the latest gathering, so we're going to give it a try. No, the Spirit led me here. I've come bearing the cross. I'm representing God. I'm not here on my own. And you know what? God put this in me. God shared this with me. God showed me what needs to happen, and I see that need here. So, power of God, move. That's so interesting. But that's really what he's saying here. The demonstration of the Spirit. Wow. Not phanerosis, which is the, the manifesting. It's, it's interesting when I say that in, to the French group. A manifestation means a demonstration, you know. And, and same in Brazil. If I talk about a manifestation, they think I'm down there protesting something because that's what it means. You know, the French were manifesting about the Macron's uh, desire to, to bump up the retirement age. Imagine that. Instead of being able to retire at 62, they're making you retire at 64. How dare they? But there's manifestations there. I'm glad I'm not on the Champs-Élysées now. I might get a rock in my noggin. So, you know, bless God. What do you think, Bev? We'll just keep going. 62, 64, 65, it doesn't matter. We'll just keep going. We'll just, never, we'll just never retire. We'll just keep moving in the power of the Spirit. So the demonstration of the Spirit is a revelatory thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe, if you looked at this, if you, if you really studied this, and I'm speaking to Pneumatikos people here. I'm not speaking to dolts. I'm speaking to people who study the Word. But if you look at, at the variations of this word that is really revelation, you see it, how the Spirit uses it so many different ways in the New Testament, but it all has to do with revelation. So the clue is that when you see one of those words in the New Testament, 
and you read it in English or whatever you may be reading it in, and you think, oh, well, the way it says here in English, I can deduce that it means this. But when then you recognize that, no, no, look at that. This is having to do with God revealing something to you. Oh, well, that's what that verse means. And then the word of God, the shackles of our own wisdom are taken off, and the word becomes alive. I just think it's amazing. So much about this is God wanting you to be a pneumaticos person, somebody who's functioning in the spirit. And so Paul comes and he says those things that I've said now three times, and he said, what I've come to share with you in this is the demonstration of the spirit how God wants to reveal things to and through you, and then power, dunamis. That's amazing. That's function. Look at verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, this is also an interesting thing, because if you were to look at verse 5, and you start pecking and clicking on the words in your Bible program, you'll find something very odd. You'll find that stand there is not histeme. It's a word you may not think would be there. It's omega. And, and sometimes omega, the last word in the Greek alphabet, you know, the alpha and the omega, beginning and the end. You'll see it attached with the little uh, subjunctive phrase, e, not a no, subjunctive word, E-I-M-I. And what it really means is that your, the, the end justifies the means. What is, what is the goal here? What are we really trying to accomplish? So when you talk about, when you put omega there, which is very clearly there, some of you clicked on it and you see it. Your faith is not, what, what you're trying to achieve, which Paul has just described, is not reliant upon the wisdom of men or women. It's God's agenda, the, the dunamis of God. I think that's very interesting, that your faith should not stand. Well, what should your faith stand in? What God has said he's going to do. If you're going to have an omega, you're going to have to have an alpha. So if your faith is not omega-ing, that's not a word, Master. I know it. If, you're, if your faith is not omega-ing in the wisdom of people, their agenda, what their goal is. Everybody has a goal. You know that, don't you? You see what's going on in politics right now? You see what's going on, the agenda? That's, there's a goal. There's an end result. And we're not buying into that. Our alpha, our directive, is to fulfill what God wants. So, and, and where is the omega at? The function of God, the dunamis of God, how God wants things to happen. And, and I, I just think that's interesting, that your faith should not stand. You can look that up. That may surprise you, that there's that omega and there's the subjunctive E-I-M-I, and, and it's, it's very interesting to see that, how it's used. And you may want to study that at just some point, you know, maybe during a Super Bowl halftime or something when you'd have nothing else to do. You've already eaten a number of uh, nachos, and you're just full, and uh, Tammy hasn't even brought the dessert out yet. You know, well, I better just kick back. So you could look at those. There's a number of places where this kind of thing is used in Scripture. I think 17 maybe. Don't quote me on that. You can look it up on your own. But it's interesting that everywhere it is, think about what is God's end result? What is God trying to achieve? And it really does shine a light on those verses. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's very interesting. So our agenda is not based on what men or women want to do, no matter how glorious it may seem. But our agenda, the omega for us, is how, what is God trying to bring into function? and bring into life here. And again, when you understand that, it gives you a sense of purpose, and you can say, well, you know what? I know what, I, I know. I may not know how it's all going to happen, but I know this is what God wants. This is what his objective is, and uh, I'm just going to keep pressing through on this, and 
I know that as I do that, the lifeblood of this is going to be the power, the dunamis of God. And I'm not going to lack anything on this route because dunamis, I'm on the river of dunamis here. And, and I am going to see that power manifested. So you have the, the, the revelation of the Spirit and dunamis, and then you have the objective of God and dunamis, both of them side by side. And the Spirit of God orchestrated this. So, again, this is, this is really special. Regularly, though, we have to remember that God started you on this pathway. He ignited your spirit, began to move in ma'ah, and the pulse in the center of your belly, and God began to speak through you in diversities of tongues, and he began to give you understanding. Just boom. I mean, God is so good. He, he just immediately began giving us understanding of what? Function. Why am I on the floor? Why am I praying in these many languages? It's thus says the Lord. Here it is. God gives revelation of the word. Oh, I never saw that before. Oh, I never saw it. Many times I preached on this verse. I mean, I did a paper on this in seminary. I never saw that before. Well, duh, God's Spirit is bringing it. See, that measure of function and the demonstration of the Spirit, you've been living that, and you've been growing in it, and you've been functioning in it, and you know that's true. You have been, even the most simple among us, in a, the deepest, most sincerest, uh, most genteel part of our heart. We know we've been functioning in this. And now only God could do this. I'm about to release my power in ways that are going to rock this earth, and I'm going to do it through you. And guess how I'm going to use it? I'm going to use it through this function that I've been developing through you by the Spirit over these years. All of these verses that I've shown you, only the Spirit could do this. All of these verses that I've shown you, meticulously pointing out what I require, what you're supposed to do, how it is benefiting you. All of those come together in a synergy of a foundation. And now on the basis of that, not one jot or tittle failing, I'm going to explode into the world. I'm going to use these same things from the spirit within, and I'm going to ignite nations. Only God could do that. You've been walking a miracle. You've been living a miracle. God's been training you, and I'm so glad that God didn't tell us that right at the beginning. Well, he kind of did. Because I'm going to rock the world. I'm going to do this because you're doing that. What would our motive have been then? <laughs> no, what was our motive from the very beginning? I want to know you, Father. I want to serve you. I want to pray your mysteries. I want to intercede before the throne about what you want to do. I want to bring restoration as a saint. I want to serve you as a son, not just as a baby. That was your motivation. And I know it still is. Our motivation wasn't, well, you know, if we do this, guess what's going to happen? Man, people are going to look at us and they're going to think, "Woo! where'd that come from? That's not our motivation. It really, it's a bad motivation anyway, because one thing is I've learned, no matter what you have, there's always going to be some Johnny-come-lately next that's got more than you have. It's just the way it is. You talk, talk, read some of the biographies of the latter rain movement ministers and see if that didn't attack every one of them. One of the things that I read, this is off topic, but it's not really off topic, was uh, the conversations between uh, William Branham and Gordon Lindsay. Gordon Lindsay managed William Branham. And Branham was kind of an odd character in a lot of ways. He was really uneducated. His views on women I don't really like. But in the time frame, he, you know, you can't cancel him. He had great demonstrations of the power, and God used him in a lot of ways. But he saw that there are a lot of other ministries that were hopping up, emulating him, and trying to do the things that God was doing through him, and subsequently 
the money was drying up. And I understand how that happens. There's great competition in things in the Christianity. If you don't know that, wake up. It's there. And so some sidewinders came and said, you know what, we can really help you. We can really help you to, to, to really recapture the limelight. And Lindsay said, this is not really good. You, you, better, not, you better not do that. It's going to destroy you. And there was a split because of that. And it, not, a, not an acrimonious split, but, of course, you know, somebody said, <laughs> we parted as friends. Yeah, right. Um, so Lindsay went on then for CFNI fame, and um, Branham really had some issues. Um, you got to be really careful what your motive is, especially when you're dealing with the power of God. You can really soon become like Balaam, who sells to the highest bidder. And it's, uh, you know, the Bible warns us about that. No matter how gifted Balaam was, and I've said this, I'm astounded by the way God related to Balaam and, and the things that Balaam saw and that he prophesied were just top flight prophecies. You read about them, they're in the scripture. And um, so we got to really be careful with, with this because, um, you know, it's like, like when, when Paul, and, Paul came into a certain place and, you know, God did a great work and the people said, oh, these people, it's Jupiter and it's Mars. You know, these are great. And Paul said, no, 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 no. We are men just like you. I'm sure there were some women there. He wasn't pointing at them. Of course, in a modern society, I guess you could just point at anybody. Whatever they want to be, they can be. But anyway... Uh, we've got to really be careful that we continue to be the martyria of God. No matter how much power flows, no matter how many miracles happen, we have to be dead to self, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There's another one of those power verses. So what's the agenda? The demonstration of the Spirit will reveal Measures of the agenda. We follow that. And that's where our faith stands. Look, just one more thing. We're going to keep going here. Verse 6 awaits. But faith is what God says at the right hand. It's the alpha prophecy. And he says that your faith should not omega in man's opinion, but in the functionality of what God wants. That is an incredible fifth verse. Think about that. Your faith should not omega in man. Wow. You want to talk about a bumper sticker. People wouldn't understand what it meant, but that would be a good one. My faith, your faith, let it omega according to what the divine author alphaed, that it would be what he wants and not what men and women want, not what the wisdom of this world wants. I think that's, that's terrific. But he's really talking about the demonstration of the Spirit. And, and again, I think that's great. You know, if we just read that verse 4, we might think, bam, power, woo! Demonstrate, boy, didn't the Spirit demonstrate something today? But that's not what this word means. Now, God can do that kind of thing. But Paul was more interested in, in instead of you being entertained or enticed or whatever other words the Spirit so eloquently uses, he wants you to be hearing from the Spirit and seeing in Spirit, not just with your seer's giftings. See, there's a difference between this, what we're talking about, and seer's giftings. I can tell you that from personal experience. You know, some of you have been gifted with capacities from God to be able to perceive things. Those things don't really mean a whole lot. I can tell you from personal experience. But what you know within you is the most important revelation you'll ever get. God uses the seer's giftings. But that's not what this is talking about. I better, Winford, I better get going here. I know you just keep dragging me back into these verses, but we're going to keep moving forward. Verse 6. See, Bev, aren't you glad Winford's here? I'm picking on him today, even though I did take a few shots at you already today. We speak the wisdom among them that are perfect. Teleos there really for us. This speaks about you, you've come to the point of your identity and you're functioning in it. You're producing in that. 
not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in musterion. Even those, uh, the, even the hidden, verse 7 there it speaks, it, it says hidden wisdom. You see that italicized. It just says, we speak the mysterion of God, even the apocrypto, um, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, this is another one ordained here, pro orizo, where we get our word horizon from. Where we talked about in Acts 13 when Paul was being sent forth on his first apostolic journey, the horizon ahead, that new pathway in grace. That's the essence of predestination. And God ordained that, pro orizo, for our glory. What does that mean? We're not supposed to glory, but we are partnering with God in the glory. So before the foundation of the world, God looked at Debbie Kay and said, you know what? I want her to partner with me in measures of grace. And, um, and when, when she comes to those, if she steps into them as I'm directing, then she's going to partner with me in, in glory. And, you know, that, that's just so wonderful. And he, he appointed that for each of you. And I could ask, are we really viewing our life in that way? Are we really saying, you know what? God gave me all these capacities through his spirit and by his word created me in this way. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 enemy didn't, he and the enemy didn't recognize this is what was going to go. That's just so amazing. The mysterion, the hidden thing, the hidden crypto. Um, God saying before the foundation, I'm going to move in grace in this way. I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to partner with him in the glory if they're willing. Uh, oh, that's just incredible. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. The curios of glory. The curios, the New Testament version of Adonai. The one that directs people in their place, keeps the authority structure moving in alignment. The Lord of glory means that when Jesus was on that cross and the enemy was crucifying him, he was really setting the stage for each of you to fulfill what God created you to be in God's placement, in God's timing, in God's order. And if the enemy had recognized that's what God was doing, you wouldn't have done it. So far in these verses, what we've read is just absolutely an owner's manual for how you're supposed to move in power. Every one of these things. And then Paul says, yeah, just think about how glorious that is that the enemy was, was really doing all these horrific things to Jesus, but because he did them and because our Lord gave himself in, in such selflessness, all of this is happening. God says, I'm going to partner with them in glory. They're going to move into new horizons in grace. Apostolic ways, I'm going to move through them. I'm going to give them the power of this stake of ownership, and they're going to have revelation from the Spirit, and they're going to learn to die to self to move in, in, in accordance with what I want. And uh, I, I'm going to have my son on the cross, and through that, one of the things that he's going to gain is the ability for people to step into their roles, to step into points of authority, to fulfill what I create them to be under his direction. The enemy didn't recognize any of that was happening. Because if he did, he would never have crucified Jesus. Isn't that interesting? It's just interesting. Now, let's keep looking at this. Verse 9. We're only going to go to verse 13. I promise I'm not going to go all the way through the, the book of 1 Corinthians. As it is written, Isaiah 64, I has not seen, seen, what is that? Ido, E-I-D-I. E-I-D-O, that means to perceive something. Remember that. We're going to come back to it here in just a minute. 
in a new way that perhaps we've not perceived. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. You know what entered is? If you look it up, you'll find that it means it, it means things that you've walked, things that you have established where your feet are planted. Look at the word. And that through that, you've gained experience and, and, and understanding in your pathway. And then that fuels what your heart does. You know, we say, well, I've done this. God's shown me how to do this. I've gained a crown over here, so my heart has learned how to do this. If we're not careful, you get a couple of those under your belt, and you think, I've made it. I don't need to do any more of that. You know, I, I am already, I'm established, I'm made. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has your experience and your victory caused your heart to be established. The things which God has prepared for them that are moving in his agape. Prepared is, is another interesting word. Um, it's, it's something that, that God, um, that God has, um, um, has made a ready for a possibility. It's kind of, it's kind of like, if you look at this word, how it's used, especially in the ancient world, this was used primarily, hear this, for somebody who served a king somebody who served a prince, somebody in royalty or in authority, their servants getting ready what they, that, that person in authority would need for the path ahead. You're moving in the agape of God, no matter what you've known in the past, God has laid out a storehouse of opportunity, of divine destiny, of provision, of goal, he lays it all out there for you. And if you keep moving in the agape, you're going to find it. Isn't that something? So what God has prepared is not your mansion just over the hilltop. Well, glory. No, the preparation is right now. What does Dennis need in this new horizon? Well, God's laid it all up. He's going to need this. It's better than Tammy's purse. He's going to need this. 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 He's done that for all of you. Isn't that, I just think that's great. Wow. All right, we've got three more verses, and there's still a couple of big chunks of meat here. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man, but the Spirit of God. Now, let's talk about a couple of these things. Um, the first, there's that spirit within. Uh, how do you know what God made you to be except the, the spirit of, uh, within you would reveal that? You know what the word no man knoweth is? Knoweth? It's that same word for seeing with the eye. It reminds me of what Proverbs 20, 27 says, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the what? The belly. Some of us have a lot more to search than others. But, you know, the thing is, though, that the spirit, it is the spirit of man that is the candle of the Lord. Here, the, the only way that you can really search and know is through seeing what the spirit within you is, is revealing. And I, I love this because, you know, you take these verses 10 and 11 together, and it talks about two things that are really the same thing but different. How does the spirit within us search 
what God wants for us to be, that reservoir of the Spirit within us. And then how does that revelation guide us? And so if you understand that, then you can see how that the Spirit of God is searching the deepest things in God that He wants to do in the world and in the universe and with His people. So you got that happening in us, but you also have that in God happening for our benefit. So if we can understand how to do it in us, this will not only release his purpose and his power on earth, but it will also show us how our Father moves. And so it shouldn't be a big, a big surprise. See, only God can do this. But see, it's talking about that spirit within. The light, the eyes see that. I wonder, you know, Jesus says, whatever I see my Father do, that's what I do. And we've talked about that, and I believe it's really true. Um, vision would show you, you know, I saw this in vision, so I know this is what God says. That's great. That can happen. But it's a much deeper reality for us. Whatever I see my Father do, what does he mean by that? Well, how did Jesus meet with the Father? In prayer. What was he doing? His Father's business. It was his cause. It was his purpose. He died to self to fulfill that. How did he see what his Father was doing? Well, if his Spirit is active within him, which it had to be, he was fulfilling these things so that we could do it. He was patterning what a son would be. That somehow, as you relate with what God put you on this earth to do, then you recognize what the Father is doing. You gain an insight. You see, knowing is seeing here. You see, and the candle of the Lord guides you into what God wants you to do and what he wants to do. And through that, you know this is what the Father's doing. And that fills you with great confidence. Does that make sense? How many times in prayer have you been before the throne and you've, you've, you've recognized that God is just drawing you near? And we talk about the hope and the the seed of faith being planted in you or the burden of the Lord comes and you, you come away and you feel a sense of, of amazement and purpose. That is the beginning of seeing what your Father's doing. And then as you continue to purpose that, as you continue to pray in spirit, you hold on to that. God will bring a greater understanding and a greater vision of what he's doing. And that's the way Jesus lived his life. That's the way we're to live. Whatever I see my father do was more than just a revelatory vision. It was a way of life. And that's really what Paul's talking about here in all these verses that we just read. We're almost done. So take a big sigh of relief. Um, we go on through this. We're going to read two more verses. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That's an interesting phrase. Again, some people would say, well, you're sure are, you're nitpicking this spirit within and the spirit of God. You're saying how they're the same and they're different. Well, here again, Paul is talking about this. He's already mentioned the spirit of man, and he's talked about how you need to be functioning according to that spirit. That's the onus of this, uh, the base of this. The revelation comes through that. Uh, you haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of or from God, that we might know, see, the things that are freely given to us of God. Oh, wait, stop. Did you, did you recognize that? The spirit that is of God that's been given to you, through that, 
you then know and see the things that are freely given to you of God. Through that, it's not through hearing a sermon, even though that's necessary. It's not even through, see, we get this backwards. I honor the word of God. You know that, so I'm not discrediting the word. But this is talking about relationship with God. We study to show ourselves approved. We hide the word in us so that we don't miss the mark. We validate everything through the word. Know that that's the foundation. Don't hear me say anything else here. But this is revelation with God. And God speaks to you. And you better hear. You better see. You better listen. And then let the word come alive. And, and, and it's just wonderful. But look at that. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God. And through that, we know the things that are freely given to us from God. We see the things. We perceive the things. That's wonderful. Which things, last verse, also we speak, not in the words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost has taught, comparing pneumatikos things with pneumatikos things. And then you go on through. This, this is just, ah, he that is pneumatikos judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. How many times did Paul talk about the wisdom of man here? How many times? Count it up. It's boom, boom, boom. We're being directed by God according to his word. He's revealing amazing things from the foundation of the world. He is telling you about why you were created, what he's doing in partnership with you, and how he wants to relate to that core of the spirit which he gave you, which is born again through Christ. That's your source of partnership with God through Jesus. That's your source of revelation. That's your source of guidance. That's where the Father comes and meets with you face to face. That's it. And it's a pneumaticos thing. <laughs> I just think that's great. I just think it's wonderful. But it's the demonstration of the Spirit. It's the revelation of the Spirit and the dunamis power. Once again, over and over again. When you have that right, then nothing is impossible. Nothing is ah dunamis. When you have that right, when you're walking on behalf of God's purpose and what he's created you to be and what his spirit has guided you to see and know on the basis of the word, you can believe for anything because it's already done. The proorizo in that horizon, God has already prepared miracles ahead of you. You know, that's, that's just amazing to me. So what I'm talking about is not some theological, theoretical thing. This is what you're living. This is what's coming. This is where you are. This is where the power is going to be unlocked and released. And I'm, I'm just very grateful for it. And yeah, so you combine, I finish with this, you combine the emphasis on the presence of God face-to-face -face with him, him coming to meet with you. And you combine this other emphasis of how is this working in you and how does that explain what God does in the bigger part of his kingdom? All those things God is working in you, and I, I'm very grateful for it. We're, 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 we're going to see this as an unlocking of incredible points of the miraculous. But it is what our message is. Our challenge is in causing people who see the amazing things that God is doing in the natural to recognize you've got to start over here. Because you don't just have this explosiveness 
the most important explosiveness is you being activated in what God created you to be and you taking that cross and you representing the kingdom where you live. And so God's got to help us with that. We're, we're not, I don't want to say struggling. We've been challenged by that as we've been teaching these various pockets of people around the world making disciples. Do you realize how much God has given you? Do you realize how much God has shown you? How do you capsulate that? I, I mean, I remember Jack, Pastor Jack Hayford used to say, you know, there is no, amen, there's no big hypodermic needle. That we, I wish we could just get somebody and just, whoosh, just inject them with all of the things that God has shown. You've got you to gotta labor to learn it. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, out of the mouth of babes, you've just said that it's time for Papa to be quiet and end the message. And so, but thank you for your word. Help us to continue to learn what your word, forever settled in heaven, is trying to show us. I, I speak blessing over your people, and I release the function of your power into every person who's hearing this message right now. Every person in this place, may the function of God's dunamis baptize you inside and out, and may you be functioning perfectly in whatever it is you need. But the most important thing for us, Lord, is that we will be what you want us to be and that we will continue to grow in you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for healing people today, providing for people, but thank you mostly for this seeing into your word that tells us how you want us to be in you. Thank you for loving us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us online. God bless you. For those of us in-house, don't forget that there is a Valentine's Fellowship Time in the Sealer Room, which is just right through that door. Make a quick left, and you're there. And don't forget to step by the science booth that's there in the foyer and get your hands full of uh, goo. Okay. God bless you.